On this week's episode of Empower, we are joined by attorney Eric Cordler from the Randall Sorrells Legal Clinic to talk about tenant rights, rental assistance, and what you need to know in the coming months as you deal with the pandemic related to rent. Empower is a podcast presented by the Houston Area Urban League that serves to inform young professionals about the Urban League, its programs, and the various civic and social topics pertinent to the community they serve. My name is Ray Shackleford. I am the president of the National Urban League Young Professionals. Eric is the founder and supervising attorney of the Landlord Tenant Law Program at South Texas College of Law within the Randall Sorrells Legal Clinics. And he has been representing low-income clients for a variety of matters over the past decade. And that is going to be the focus of today. And that's included when it comes to those tenants, uh, eviction defense, failure to repair, housing discrimination, and a host of other issues. And because with COVID-19, the coronavirus, there have been some different uh, moratoriums, etc. I know there's been a lot of confusion with people trying to understand how to navigate those things. And even as of uh, yesterday, excuse me, with the city's rental assistance program, we noticed uh, those funds were gone within two hours, I believe. So uh, suffice to say that it is a significant need, very important topic. Uh, so without any further delay, I do want to hand over the floor to Eric uh, to jump into his presentation and address any questions we can for the community. Uh, thanks, Ray. Uh, I'm really happy to be here. Um, I'm also sorry that we're so late, and I hope that uh, some of you stuck around for the presentation and have some really great questions for us. Uh, so, yeah, I am a public interest attorney with the Randall Soros Legal Clinics at South Texas, College of Law Houston, uh, and I have been doing landlord-tenant work on and off for the last decade now, and uh, I've seen a lot of different kinds of landlord-tenant cases, but uh, I would say not since Harvey have we seen something, anything like this, and this is way worse than uh, even the situation for tenants was during Harvey. So I'm glad that we have this opportunity to share some information about what rights and obligations everyone who's a renter has in this time. Uh, I just want a, a quick disclaimer. Uh, I'm here to give you general advice, but I'm not your lawyer, it's not legal advice. It's just, I'm just here to try and make sure people have a basic understanding of their rights. Uh, and I'm gonna start by uh, answering a few really frequently asked questions. Sorry, I was not ready for this. Okay, so the first one is what does eviction mean? Uh, eviction, that we colloquially, we understand eviction to mean losing one's home. Uh, the act of being forced out of uh, a tenant or tenant being forced out of their home by a landlord. But that's actually just part of the story. It's the last part of the story that may not even happen even if an eviction takes place. Eviction is a lawsuit. It's a lawsuit filed by a landlord against a tenant. And there are lots of steps that have to be taken in order for that lawsuit to actually go forward. The first step is you have to get a notice to vacate. A notice to vacate it should be posted on the inside of your entry door, main entry door, handed to you or placed in the mail. And it should say you have 
24 hours, three days, whatever it is, to leave or else we'll file an eviction. If they do that, then after that amount of time, they can file a lawsuit against you, an eviction lawsuit. And then you get a visit from the constable who says that you're being sued, and then you go to court and you try and explain, if possible, why you shouldn't be evicted. If you're not successful, you can either appeal or you are going to be subject to what's called a writ of possession. A writ of possession is an order from the court to the constable saying this person should no longer be in possession of the premises. And so constable, we'd like you to go to the apartment or the home and tell the individual that they have to leave and if necessary, make them leave. That's about six days usually after you lose your eviction case if you do. So the reason I'm laying this out is because there are a lot of ways that a landlord can try to make you leave your home. That's the only legal one, okay? The only way you can be forced out of your home legally is with a court order given to the constable. So if your landlord says, I'm gonna lock you out and throw your stuff on the street, if they haven't sued you, they can't do that, not legally. Uh, if they say that they are gonna cut your utilities off and uh, you know try living in a place with no power, they can't do that, almost ever. Uh, the point here is that because we have some increased protections during this time, landlords are going to be more and more likely to use these underhanded tactics to try and remove people from their homes. If that happens, and we can talk more about it if anyone has any specific questions, call the police and tell them that you're, someone's trying to force you out of your home or call a legal aid agency like the Randall Soros Legal Clinics in South Texas or like Lone Star Legal Aid or Houston Volunteer Lawyers and say, tell them what's going on and ask if a lawyer can help you. Okay. Next question, can I be evicted for not paying my rent? So normally the answer is almost always yes, but right now the answer is maybe. Uh, the federal government in the law that uh, gave everybody the stimulus check also said that we're gonna put a stop to evictions for certain kinds of properties. And the criteria are that the, if the property has a federally backed mortgage, or participates in certain federally funded housing programs, then they can't evict their tenants. Unfortunately, it's very difficult for average people on the street, or even me, to figure out whether those are the case for a given property. So for any given tenant, even I probably couldn't tell you whether you would be able to be evicted in a court. However, a lawyer can conduct certain kinds of procedures and get information for you that you might not be able to get on your own. So if you do worry about, worry that you're going to be evicted or you've gotten an eviction lawsuit and you don't know whether your complex is exempt, then I do recommend you contact an attorney. Again, uh, our information is right there in red on the screen uh, and there are several other agencies in town. Try and find a lawyer who may be able to represent you. You can call us. I can't guarantee we'll be able to help you, but we can at least look at your case and see 
we definitely can't help you if you don't call us. So finally, do I still have to pay my rent, right? It, so yeah, there's a moratorium, right? No one's getting evicted from these properties. Do I still have to pay my rent? Absolutely, okay? If at all possible, you still are obligated to pay your rent. There are a couple reasons. One, this stop to evictions is not permanent. It's not that they can't evict you ever for anything that happens in the next three months. It's that they can't evict you during the next few months for anything that happens during that time related to your rent. So you have to keep paying your rent because if you don't pay your June rent and the moratorium expires in late July. So if you don't pay your June rent, even if they can't evict you in June, they can come back a couple months later and say, well, you still owe that rent, so we're going to evict you. The other reason is that there are rights under the Texas Property Code for things like repairs that are dependent on the tenant having, been, having paid their rent in full. So if you don't pay your rent, then if your AC breaks, uh, if your toilet floods, things like that, the landlord may say, well, they didn't pay their rent, so I don't have to fix it. As a result, we really want to promote everyone paying their rent, if at all possible. Now, that doesn't mean everyone can, right? These are tough times. A lot of people have lost their jobs. A lot of people have lost their incomes. And a lot of people are going to be late on their rent. And that's why we have the stop to evictions. We don't... Uh, the government didn't want you to be out on the street just because you've lost your job because of something you absolutely could not control. Uh, but that doesn't mean that all problems are solved. Now, the, uh, as Ray mentioned, we had the, the Houston uh, Rental Assistance Program, which was great, $15 million ran out in an hour, right? Because there are so many people in Houston who can't pay their rent right now. And we can hope that there will be more programs like that in the future. We can hope that there's gonna be more assistance. And obviously you can also go to places like churches and other community institutions to see if you can get help with your rent. Uh, but for now, the focus really has to be on making sure that the consequences of your temporary, hopefully temporary situation aren't you losing your home. Okay. So now I'm going to open it up to questions, if anyone has any, and I will be happy to try and address them. So yes, um, I think Eric, to your point, hopefully everybody, if you have the ability to, has been paying their rent. Um, but like we mentioned at the outset, there's been a number of different people that were significantly impacted. And we saw that with the rental assistance to the city of Houston being expired within two hours, um, which I thought was crazy because it was like, what, $15 million um, that was gone literally just like that. And so clearly there's a need for those people that don't have the means to pay their rent. What is their recourse? Because, um, you know, we don't know, like you said, we hope potentially the, the Harris County Commissioner's Court may be voting on something for additional support. Uh, we don't know that for sure. I know it is something that's being discussed, but what types of recourse and or protections do they have? But also being mindful that you also have uh, landowners that are trying to make sure they're paying their mortgages, et cetera, because there's different layers to this as well. 
Right, and there are other uh, protections in the CARES Act for uh, for mortgage holders, and I'm not really going to get into it because we're really talking about renters today. Uh, it, it's even more this is already complicated enough. You know, uh, there are this is already a complicated web of protections. Uh, the, the city, the Harris County and the state of Texas in general are not allowing evictions to go forward at all until May 19th. That's been going on for a while. So not only were they not having eviction court, the constable wasn't serving people. So as a result, we have seen that there are hundreds of people who have been evicted, but in the sense that there has been an eviction filing against them who have no idea because the constable hasn't been serving people. So uh, that's a good thing that we still, uh, that no one's being forced to go to court for a non-payment of rent eviction, things like that. Uh, but that's gonna end on Monday, uh, unless it, the unlikely event of the Supreme Court staying it again, it's gonna end on Monday. So people pretty soon are gonna be being asked to go back to court for their evictions. So yeah, as, for, as far as protections for non-payment of rent, Texas is not the greatest place for that. Uh, the, the big one that we have is the CARES Act, right? The CARES Act is the, is the big weapon that we have because if your property is covered, and a lot of properties are, uh, those two things combined, uh, really, uh, we have a pretty nice web of properties. Uh, even if we can't figure out exactly what they are, uh, then you are exempt from eviction for non-payment of rent until July 25th. And even after July 25th, there is a rule saying that if you uh, were, would have been eligible for eviction during the moratorium, during the stop, then the landlord has to give you not one, not three, but 30 days notice before they file an eviction. So we do have uh, some good protections there but that's kind of about it right now. Uh, the other thing that the CARES Act does is it prevents covered properties from charging late fees. So also, if you're late on your rent, then they can't charge you late fees for it, which is great. Uh, but as far as not being able to pay your rent, uh, that's about it. If you can't pay your rent and your property is not covered, they can evict you unless you have one of a few defenses that are pretty rare, frankly, as far as substantive defenses to eviction, as in not just something that you can get thrown out on a technicality, but they really should not have filed that lawsuit. So Eric, um, let, let me ask you this, because two questions come to mind, because you kind of laid out, I guess, a, a general timeline as it relates to the earliest they can start to look at evictions based on the CARES Act is July 25th. And with that, they then have another 30 days that they have to wait before they, they can start filing an eviction. And that's just for the rent. They can't include late fees, correct? So in Texas, you can never include late fees in an eviction. So uh, if anyone ever try, if ever, anyone ever files an eviction lawsuit against you and they put those late fees in there, that's illegal. They can't, and the judge should make that should remind them of that. Uh, however, the reality is we have so many people being evicted that most judges don't even ask anyone what the amount of money they're asking for actually is. So that's just because of volume. If you have 250 uh, 250 people 
on docket in one day, you know, you're supposed to get through them in a couple hours, then going through every one on, uh, in detail is something that's not tempting for the judge, uh, whether that's fair or not. Uh, it's just the reality. So you can imagine here, mm, go ahead. Well, no, I was going to say, and the, the other thing that you, you hit on was there's a certain list of types of properties that are covered. How do they determine if where they rent, uh, whether it's a complex or if it is a individual landowner, a duplex, how do they know if they're covered under the CARES Act or not? See, that's the problem. There is one database. The database only covers a couple of the criteria. So if you're in the database, you're definitely a covered property. If you're not in the database, it doesn't mean you're not a covered property. So the database, what it does is it tell, it's a database of multifamily complexes, so apartment complexes that uh, have federally backed mortgages or are something like public, public housing or uh, uh, low-income housing tax credit properties, things like that. So all of those are in this database and that's great. You go on the web and you can search by zip code and you can just see if your apartment complex is there. And if it is, then they can't evict you, period. Not until July 25th. And even then, not until 30 days after July 25th. But the problem is that we just don't know for a lot of them because there are basically two groups left. Individual homeowners who have federally backed mortgages the only way to find out is you might be able to find out by going into the deed records, but maybe not because sometimes uh, you'll have an independent loan servicer that is backed by the federal government. So it's possible that the federal government won't even be on any of the documents. The only way that you can find out is by searching Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. The problem is you need the last four of the homeowner's social. So the tenant is never going to be able to find out. The landowner might not even know, but he can at least search. Uh, the other one is multifamily complexes, apartment complexes that are participating in a different federal program. That usually means a voucher. So you don't have to have a voucher to be exempt, though if you have a voucher, you are exempt. Uh, it's possible that you know there are 100 units in your apartment complex and one of them, one of them has a voucher. The whole complex is covered. Because what the law says is that the, if the complex participates in a program, not if the tenant participates in a program, if the complex does. So the only thing that you need to prove, according to the plain language of the statute, and we'll probably get some pushback on this from other lawyers, but this is our interpretation and understanding of the statute. If there is even one voucher tenant in that large complex, then that large complex can't evict anyone. The problem is, Voucher tenants don't have to tell anyone they're voucher tenants. They don't have to go around, you know, with a big V on their chest or something. They're, you know, telling everyone that they get government assistance. And so unless it's you or you know personally someone who has a voucher in the complex, then it's going to be very difficult for you to find out without going door to door and asking people if they get government assistance, which no one's going to do and no one should. So uh, the way... There's very, it's very difficult as a result to police this pre-filing. So if an apartment complex files an eviction, then there, if you can, yeah, I recommend getting a lawyer if you can, and the lawyer may be able to 
do some legal things within the context of the eviction lawsuit to find out. Uh, for instance, what we call discovery, which is asking the opposing party for information that you need to make your case. They have to give it to you unless they have a couple of exceptions. And in this case, they really should be, should be required to give it to you. But unfortunately, that comes after they file the lawsuit. And as a lot of people know now, once you get an eviction filing against you in Texas, it's a black mark on your record, even if you beat it. Because uh, you may not have an eviction judgment, which is good. That go on your credit, obviously, and we want to prevent eviction judgments. But an eviction filing on its own will still show up because it's a matter of public record. So uh, we would really like to find a way to minimize filings rather than uh, fighting them once they happen. So unfortunately, the answer to your question is no, there is not a way for a lot of people. Well, and okay, so let me ask you this because we just started the, the reopening phases here in the state of Texas. Governor Abbott issued that order, I believe began on, what was it, May the 1st, that Friday. Um, and since then, we're coming up on phase two, I believe starts on this coming Monday, the 18th. If you are employed through one of those businesses or entities where you have not been able to actually go in and earn an income, um, and your employer has not had the ability to pay you, do they factor that in at all? Or that, that doesn't matter? That's, that's not a part of the equation. Um, so it would be nice if it were. Uh, the, for some programs, for instance, the, uh, the rental assistance program, they actually asked people to show that their hardship was due to COVID. So they asked people to show that they couldn't pay the rent because of the virus, for some reason, because of the virus. So whether it be because they, uh, they got furloughed or uh, whatever, you know, they lost their job, whatever it is because of COVID, that's what they asked people to show. They still write out money even now in two hours. You know, uh, that's how bad it is. Um, but as far as eviction protections, no. Okay. And well, I also, I wanna so add that all these protections are against or are for tenants who are being evicted for non-payment of rent. Okay. So if you're evicted because of HOA violations, if you're evicted because of criminal activity, things like that, the court's not going to do anything about that, even if it's a covered property. So it's only for people who are facing eviction purely because of non-payment of rent. So yeah, you gotta make sure that you realize you can't just do anything, it's not a blank check. And so if you violate your lease in some way, then even if you also don't owe, even if you also owe rent, that's gonna let them evict you. Uh, now that doesn't, what we expect a little bit is that some landlords are going to start using pretexts. So they're going to say, oh, the a tenant who owes me rent did this, this, and this, right? It could be lies in some case, cases. I don't want to impute anything to landlords, but it, it, there are lots of different kinds of landlords, you know, and our job is to make sure that we can protect people from the ones who aren't going to follow the law. Uh, or it could be that uh, the tenant did something that's a little borderline 
that they might not normally evict someone for, but because they owe the money, uh, they might decide that it's time to enforce that one little provision. So I would say be careful about following your lease. Be careful, uh, even if your landlord in the past has ignored minor violations, uh, things like that, or even if it's their normal practice to you know, not bother people for uh, sitting out uh, in the hall on lawn chairs, right? Technically, you're not supposed to obstruct the hallways, but people do all the time and they never cared. Suddenly, you get a notice to vacate because yet you, uh, one, owe rent, and two, have been obstructing the hallways. So I would say be careful about following the actual rules, not the rules that have sort of always been enforced. No, and I, that's a great piece of advice and information because um, to your point, things that they may not have typically enforced or uh, felt like tenants need, needed to adhere to, they may now want to use it, like you said, as pretext because they are also behind financially yes. and bring that into the equation. And so we definitely want people to adhere to those, those different rules and understand that you cannot be evicted under the CARES Act specifically for financial reasons and not the other elements of your lease. Uh, for those people that do need legal assistance with your clinic, uh, how does that work? Is there a cost? Is it fee-based? Is it, you know, case-by-case -case situation? What does that look like for people uh, that may end up in one of those worst-case scenarios and need assistance? So uh, we don't charge for our legal services. Uh, that doesn't mean there's never going to be a fee or anything, but in the vast majority of cases, the client will never pay a dime. Uh, but they'll definitely never pay a dime for our legal services. So, you know, most lawyers bill, you know, $250 an hour, $400 an hour, whatever. Uh, that amount that would be billed will never be billed to the client if we take them. Um, so as a result though, we have to screen clients and we, we have some, some limits on income. So uh, people who make above a certain amount, uh, it's going to be difficult for us to find space for those uh, for those clients, but usually, if your problem is that you can't pay your rent, then you're probably not going to run afoul of our uh, of our restrictions. And again, the only way you'll find out is if you call. So uh, I definitely encourage people to not be. Uh, not be chased off by any kind of admonition or anything you know I, I don't think I'm going to qualify the only way you'll know if you qualify if you need help the only way you know if you qualify is if you call and uh, you know our information I'll, I'll put it back up and uh, we, you can also find it on our, on our website and uh, all kinds of other things but uh, we're not the only ones so if uh, you can also call Lone Star Legal Aid uh, which serves not just Houston, but the surrounding counties as well, and goes all the way down uh, into uh, Lake Jackson and all the way up to Paris, Texas. And we mostly serve people in Harris County and a couple of contiguous counties. Um, and then there's Houston Volunteer Lawyers as well. And they uh, have been taking some cases as well. So they're, we are try all trying to work together as a team to provide a backstop for tenants who are facing eviction and to try and keep people in their homes. And you can call us, you can call them. What we really want is for you to get help. So no, and just so people can keep track of that, you have Lone Star Legal Aid, uh, you have the Volunteer Lawyers Association, and then you also have 
uh, Eric and his team over at the Randall Sorrell's clinic, uh, and they do not charge uh, for their services, um, but it is income requirements, and you screen those individuals, like you said. Uh, I would imagine in the midst of the pandemic, uh, you guys are taking into consideration people that may be furloughed, et cetera. Um, they may not normally have qualified for your assistance, but you know, obviously under the circumstances, people that typically have not uh, felt this type of financial impact are being brought into the equation as we continue to see the unemployment numbers rise uh, considerably. Um, yeah, absolutely. And it's all about your current income. Okay. So look, if you lost your job, even if your job would uh, normally, the pay from your job might have uh, kept you out, you're not getting the money now. So that's what we care about. We care about whether you can currently afford a lawyer. And uh, if that's not true, then that's what we're gonna look at uh, in general. So yeah, again, if, if you're having trouble financially, if you were worried about your rent, we can't help you with rental assistance. I wanna make that clear. So we're not gonna be able to help get you money. We're not gonna, you know, anything like that. As much as we'd like to be able to do that, it's not our role. Uh, but if you do run into some problems, and not just eviction, if you run into problems with your landlord in other ways, you feel you're being discriminated against, or if you feel that uh, if the landlord refuses to fix your AC, if the land, you know, whatever it is, we can look at it and say, okay, is that something we can help with? And sometimes those things can be solved with a simple demand letter. You know, it doesn't necessarily have to be a big, a big to do. Sometimes just a lawyer gives them a call and suddenly your AC is fixed the next day. Uh, and sometimes they are recalcitrant, you know, they're stubborn. So uh, if basically the bottom line is, if you're a tenant and you're having a problem with your landlord, uh, we can at least see if it's something we might be able to help with. And uh, we, would be we would be happy to do so. But there are a lot of factors that go into how we, uh, into our uh, acceptance criteria. So it's not just money, it's, uh, there are a lot of things. And so I can't guarantee that I'll represent anyone, but uh, that will represent anyone but we definitely won't represent you if you don't call us. No, and that's important for people to note is that um, there's a lot of different circumstances that, that factor into that criteria. Um, but even if they are having other issues with landlords, as you mentioned, if it's not just you know financial based, uh, they may be paying their rent and the landlord is not fixing things. Some people, you know, unfortunately do have uh, slumlords and fall victim to things like that. So that's something that you guys can assist with as well. Is there any uh, final piece of advice or knowledge that you want to give the people uh, that are tuning in? We've had a, a, quite a few people jump in and out. Um, I see Rashida, Tori, Sean. I said this was great info. So we appreciate everybody for joining in and watching. But is there any last bit of advice that you want to give them? We'll make sure to push out uh, these resources and repost them as well. Yeah, you know, the, the last thing I want to say is the is about one other problem that we've seen, which is uh, discrimination based on COVID. So uh, we have seen some truly incredible things like healthcare work, frontline, frontline healthcare workers being evicted because they're at risk for uh, contracting COVID. Uh, older people, being evicted because they're at risk for attracting uh, for contracting COVID. Uh, people who sneeze too much being evicted because they might have COVID. Uh, and so they can't do that, okay? They can't evict you because you might have COVID. They can't evict you because you have COVID. Uh, they can't evict you because your mom has COVID. Whatever it is, 
that's illegal. They can't. However, this, like the laws against self-help eviction, is the way we put it is uh, laws are meant to keep locks are meant to keep honest people out, right? The law is in a force field. It's not. Uh, it's not that they physically can't change your locks because it's illegal. It's that there are consequences for them to changing their locks. Unfortunately, for most people, those consequences are never going to happen. You know, they, most people don't know that if they change your locks, you can ask them for a key 24-7 and get back into your place. They have to give it to you. So uh, as a result, these injustices still happen because most people aren't going to have the opportunity to enforce their rights. So it's nice to think that all of these things are illegal, that they can't do these things, but the truth is they can. But the only way to get to uh, fix that is to assert your rights. And I sincerely hope that we or someone else can help you with that if that happens to you. Eric, I guess real quick, based on something you just mentioned, is there like a a small document that you guys have that just provides like general tenant rights or or a pamphlet or something like that that um, people can look at and share? So the best resource for that, I think, is texaslawhelp.org. Texas Law Help has a lot of really great resources. It has not only guides like that, but it also has forms for people to represent themselves. So if you need to file a lawsuit to get back into your place, there you may be able to find a form to do that on Texas Law Help. Uh, if you're not able to secure legal assistance or if you need legal assistance really fast and think that it would be faster for you to try and do it yourself. Uh, those things are available on Texas Law Help. Uh, also, the, there's the Texas ABA Free Legal Answer Service, which is basically you can go online and you can ask a pretty simple legal question uh, like, can my landlord do this? What happens if my landlord do that, does this? And uh, it will go to a database of lawyers who watch it and try to answer those questions. There's no guarantee that your question will be answered or answered in time, but you can still ask it. And it's not a legal relationship situation. It's just an attorney who takes a look at your problem and says, you know, this might be how you want to proceed. So those are two really good resources. No, thank you for that. Um, I don't see any other questions in the queue. I do appreciate, Bobby said that was great information and Tanya just joined in uh, as one of my classmates from Leadership Houston. She's also as an attorney. Um, but we thank everybody for tuning in today, for dealing with the, uh, the technical difficulties. Please continue to adhere to the guidelines from the CDC as it relates to uh, the face coverings and the physical distancing. Stay safe uh, and thank you to all of those individuals that are essential workers and returning back to work for everything that you're doing. Thanks a lot, Ray. I'm really glad we could do this. Yes, sir. We appreciate you. To learn more about how the Houston Area Urban League is impacting the community and ways you can get involved, visit us online at haul.org. Follow us on Twitter at HOU Urban League and be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, or whichever podcasting platform you enjoy. Thanks for listening to Empower, presented by the Houston Area Urban League.